wonder how many of you actually forgot it was Father's Day today. Anyone forget that? Don't put your hands up, that would be embarrassing. Oh, one person did, that's okay. We easily, don't we? We very easily forget things. Uh, this kind of gives an example of how old I am and how silly I am, but often if I'm going upstairs to go and get something, I now have to set a reminder on my phone because in the 14 steps going up, the, up to the top floor in our house, I can so easily forget what I've gone upstairs. And a lot of you are laughing and you do exactly the same thing. So it kind of proves the point, isn't it? We so easily forget things. And that is why we do all sorts of things to help us remember stuff. We erect memorials, don't we, to remember people and what they've done. Uh, we have special days, don't we, like Remembrance Day, for example, uh, and ceremonies alongside that to remember, to remember wars and the sacrifice of so many to protect the freedoms we enjoy. We write poems, don't we? We write songs uh, so we can remember events, occasions, feelings. Remember, remember the... See, there you get the point. Similarly, the Bible, though, is littered with calls for God's people to remember. Why? Because like us, they so easily forget things. Now, the people of God in the Old Testament certainly are known for many, many things. But probably one thing which occurs again and again is that they were forgetful. They kept on forgetting how good God had been to them, who God was. And therefore, the people were encouraged and instructed to do everything they could to try and remember how good God was. So, for example, at the Passover in Exodus 12, God's people are instructed. Exodus 12, 26, if you want to look at it later, says this. When your children ask you, what does this ceremony mean to you, the Passover? Then tell them, it is the Passover sacrifice to the Lord who passed over the houses of the Israelites, God's people, in Egypt and spared our homes when he struck down the Egyptians. They're instructed... To remember from generation to generation so it would be passed on how good and kind God was. We see it at the Passover, we see it at the establishing of the law in the Old Testament. For example, when the, when the people crossed over the, the River Jordan, uh, to, if you go back to Joshua chapter 4 for example, uh, there we see they're about to enter the promised land and Joshua is to find 12 men. And they take 12 large stones out of the River Jordan. They place them on their soldiers. And they go to a place called Gilgal. And, and there they make this memorial. Why? Verse 6 it says in Joshua 4. To serve as a sign among you. In the future when your children ask you. What do these stones mean? Tell them these stones are to be a memorial. It says. So that they remember. That God has allowed them. And fulfilled his promises. Allowed them into the promised land. The people were instructed to remember, remember what God had done to such an undeserving people, a forgetful people, to remember that God was faithful. But there's a few examples from the Old Testament. But, you know, look, look at us. I mean, we're a bit more savvy now, aren't we? Do we really need all these kind of reminders to remember how good God is? I wonder if you remember when you first became a Christian. Do you remember that back? Just recall that back in your mind. Do you remember when it first began to sink into your heart that Jesus had died on the cross in your place? Do you remember today that same truth with the same passion, with the same delight, with the same joy? Oh, you know those truths probably, probably much better than you knew them then. 
But remembering is much more than just understanding. The people of God in the Old Testament knew who God was. Uh, they knew his promises. But their hearts and their, and their minds, everything had kind of pushed God to one side. We can so easily forget even what we know. And therefore we need to remember. We need to take steps to remember. Pushing beyond understanding. Remembering is seeing its significance. It's remembering is to see and understand who God is. And that we're nothing without him. And we can do nothing without him. And that is why we're here in 2 Timothy. Look down, you'll see he's writing Paul, that is Paul the Apostle, is writing uh, to Timothy. Uh, Timothy is leading a church in a place called Ephesus. And uh, things are very tough. People are are running out of the church. They're deserting, we see back in chapter 1. Loads and loads of people are running out of the church. Timothy, by nature, is not the first person you pick for your team if you were to lead a church. He's timid by nature. Added to that, we've got Roman Emperor. The Roman Emperor at that time is a man called Nero. And he is known throughout history as being the most brutal, the, most, the man who persecuted Christians to, to, to the, the most horrible ways. Like a sport for him, really. You see, the problem, when we get here in 2 Timothy, everything is stacked against young Timothy. And yet last week, Paul called him. If you you just look back to chapter 2, verse 1. Have a look there. Look at chapter 2, verse 1. You'll see there, uh, Paul calls Timothy to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Timothy is to stand, to hold the line, if you like, for Christ and his church, And he's to trust in the strength that is given in and through Jesus Christ. But at the same time, throughout this letter, Timothy is called by Paul to remember. Yes, Timothy is to be strong, dependent on Christ. But Timothy has a responsibility. If he is to stand, if he is to continue, he must remember. Back in chapter 1, Paul had called Timothy to remember. Look at chapter 1, verse 3. Flip back for just one moment. He's to remember his ancestors, where he's come from. Chapter 1, verse 4. He's to remember his close friendship with Paul. Chapter 1, verse 5. He's told to remember his, if you like, his spiritual background, his mother and his grandmother. Chapter 1, verse 6. He's told to remember that he's been gifted and set apart by Paul for this ministry. Chapter 1, verse 13. He's told to remember the pattern of sound teaching that Paul has passed on to him and that must be passed to others as he trains them up. All of this he is to remember so that he can hang in there. He can stand firm in Ephesus so he can keep going. It is this remembering in order that Timothy can keep going which is utterly central to our passage today. And notice the first thing as we get to it, our first point on your sheets The first thing that Paul says to Timothy that he must remember is the most important thing of all. Look at verse 8. Remember Jesus Christ. It's been our verse today. Raised from the dead. Descended from David. This is my gospel. Remember the gospel. If you are to stand today, this week, this year, you've got to remember the gospel. And Paul is very clever in the way that he structures this, just this little verse here. Uh, You may think he's missed some stuff out, though. You know, after all, when you think of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, 
What would you consider as the kind of the important points that you want to put in there? You might want to put in about the forgiveness of sins. You might want to throw in a few kind of big Christian words like redemption and, and, and atonement, all these kind of things. Where's the cross here? There's lots that isn't here. And so why does Paul just say the gospel is that Jesus Christ is raised from the dead, defended, descended from David? It's interesting that, isn't it? Notice how the sentence is kind of put together. It's very clever. Paul's using two names, Jesus and Christ, with two corresponding just kind of descriptions as well. Raised from the dead, descended from David. Now Jesus is, if you like, God's son's earthly name. And Christ is the divinely appointed, promised, anointed one. There's an earthly name and a divine name. And each of them has a corresponding description that follows. So Paul says to Timothy, stand. You need to remember that Jesus, the the human, uh, who, who is God's son, was raised from the dead. That one you saw walking around, or he didn't see, but who, who was walking around, is now raised from the dead. The one who was crucified is now raised from the dead. Secondly, remember he was the Christ. Divine name again. But in that royal line descended from David. We're going to look at those very briefly, each in turn, very quickly. See, let's see why remembering this is so important for Timothy and for us to stand. Firstly then, remember Jesus who was raised from the dead. Well, this is the first, if you like, main ingredient of the gospel. The resurrection, you see, that Jesus rose from the dead. Do you see how important that is? It's an absolute non-negotiable. Without the resurrection, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, for example, we're to be pitied above all people. We should laugh at people. If, if Jesus isn't raised from the dead, what are we doing here? People should mock us. If you take the resurrection out of the Christian faith, you've got a founder and a leader who promised eternal life, who couldn't defeat death himself. If Jesus did not rise from the dead, the Christian faith is absolute nonsense. You see, the resurrection proves the gospel. It proved who Jesus was, who he said he was. And the resurrection demonstrates the power of the gospel, even over death itself. So when we respond to the gospel, when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we can know the the wonderful power working it. And what does it do? It brings about a spiritual resurrection, but also a bodily resurrection as well. That is the power of the gospel. And that is why Paul elsewhere speaks of the Christian as one who knows new life, for example. If you were to look at Romans 6, verse 4, as we put our trust in Jesus Christ, we get new life, new spiritual life, given by His Spirit. We're transformed in that way. But the resurrection also guarantees the bodily resurrection as well. As we trust Jesus, as we put our faith in Him, we can know with absolute certainty that we will also one day, even if we're buried, we will rise to new life bodily and spend an eternity with him. Again, 1 Corinthians 20, uh, 15 is really helpful with this verse 20 following. says, Jesus described it there as the first fruits, the first one who rose from the dead bodily and we will follow on. 
Through faith in him, we will rise to new bodily life. So firstly then, remember Jesus, who was raised from the dead. This is so, so important. This is the essential of the gospel. Secondly, remember Christ, who descended from David. You remember the promise came to King David many centuries before. You can read about it in 2 Samuel 7. Uh, that one would sit enthroned and reign forever. David was the, known as the Messiah then. He was God's anointed king. But he could never be that eternal king that God promised. But Jesus, interestingly, after raising from the dead, he's walking along a road to Emmaus. And you can read about this uh, in, in Luke's gospel. And what happens? He takes up that Messiah line and says, I am that one. And he showed his disciples in the scriptures uh, that he was the eternal king, the anointed one that they've been waiting for. He's the Messiah. The Messiah is just the Hebrew word, the Old Testament word, Greek word. The New Testament word is Christ. They're the same thing, Messiah, Christ. And that is Jesus. Timothy is to remember these two essentials of the gospel. That Jesus is raised from the dead and he is the Christ descended from David. Now Paul could say loads more. Loads more about the gospel uh, in so much more detail. I mean, have a look at the book of Romans, for example, if you want more detail. That can spell it out. But this is a two-line summary that, that he's shouting at Timothy, if you like, to say, remember this. When things get tough, get, get this in your head. Jesus is rooted in history. Jesus the Christ, descended from David, is rooted. Uh, so is this, he's not just come from nowhere. He doesn't just do kind of three years of ministry uh, and, and then that's it. No, he now lives and he reigns and he is who he says he was. And these are the essentials of the gospel. If you want to look later at 1 Corinthians 15 verse 1 to 4, there's a slightly expanded version of the summary there of the gospel. It's of first importance that Christ died, evidenced in his burial, he raised, evidenced in his appearing. But this is the gospel here. In this really brief summary of two lines. This is Paul's gospel. This is Timothy's gospel. This is our gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ. And Timothy needs to rem remember, as we need to remember, Jesus Christ. He's not someone who's just come and then we kind of reflect on those three years or so. No, this was ordained before time, promised centuries before, evidenced in history. Our founder and saviour is now alive and reigns. And his resurrection shouts to us that he has won victory over death itself. Timothy, remember and keep on remembering. That's the tense used there. Uh, every day, remember these essentials of the gospel. All of us, remember. Keep on remembering. If we're going to stand as Christians in a hostile world, a world which undermines and challenges the gospel of Jesus Christ, we need to remember Remember the gospel. Secondly, remember the power of the gospel. If you look down there at verse uh, 9 uh, particularly, this is my gospel which, for which I am suffering even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not changed, Paul says. 
Remember Christ, firstly, he says, and the gospel. And now, secondly, Paul is kind of pointing towards him. He's saying, remember me, Paul. See, Paul points Timothy to his present experience. He's suffering. He's chained. The word is there. And Paul is suffering because he's dared to make the good news of Jesus known to people. And it's hard work telling our friends and our neighbours and our colleagues about Jesus. We all know that. Even in our culture, it's hard, isn't it? There will be consequences. And Paul uses some really strong language here. Uh, the criminal word. Look at the word there. He, he uses that. Now that is a very technical word. It's, that's used for the worst of the worst criminals. The criminal who would be in jail, chained, but is awaiting execution. It's actually the same word used for the criminals crucified next to Jesus. And Paul is horrified really here. That, that they would actually you know, do that to him. That he's seen in that way. But it was sadly very normal for the time. Nero, uh, as I said, the Roman ruler, was a brutal man. And he was blaming Christians for all sorts of things. Paul, though, isn't the main focus here, though. Yes, he calls Timothy to remember him. But the focus is to show something greater. Paul isn't ill. He's 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 in chains. He's in a dark cell. It's horrible, the conditions he's in. But he's not there moaning. It's not like a self-pity party, is it? No, rather he's using the injustice and shame of his chains to make a much, much bigger point. That is that God's word is not chained. There's a famous painting. I think it's going to pop up. I'm going to embarrass myself now. I've got Ali in front of me. Like, but here we go. There's a famous painting here by um, a man named Joseph Noll Payton. Painted in 1861. It's uh, over in Germany uh, in a place I can't pronounce. Uh, but it's, uh, it shows the great reformer Martin Luther reading some great works on his desk. And at the front uh, of the painting is the, is the Bible just down to the bottom right here. And you see in the pages of the Bible there is what? There is a broken chain, a broken chain coming out of the pages because God's word is not chained. God's word is not chained. More specifically here, Paul is encouraging Timothy to remember that the gospel cannot be chained. Jesus Christ, descended from David, raised from the dead, that gospel is more powerful than anything. The chains around Paul's ankles and his wrists as he sat in that horrible, dark jail. They could not stop the gospel going forward. Paul himself already had experience of that. He'd been jailed a a, a couple of times. And the first time when he was jailed, uh, he recalls back when he writes to the church in Philippi. And he says uh, to the church in Philippi in chapter 1 that, Hey, uh, I'm actually in chains, but I've just been telling the gospel to all what they call the Praetorian Guard. He's been telling it to all the soldiers. And I'm sorry, but the chains have actually served to advance the gospel, he says there. See, God's word cannot be chained. Did you know that missionaries, when they left this, these shores, um, often uh, they left uh, big halls in London after their felt kind of closing sermons. And they went down either on the trains or on carriages down to the ports in Southampton and Portsmouth. And, and then they sailed off, often to Africa, maybe sometimes around to India and, f- and further afield. Do you know what they often, very often, pack their belongings in? Their own coffins. 
Did the fact that many of them died in months, did that stop the gospel going forward? No. God's word can't be chained. And we may look at kind of Britain around a secular Britain and think, oh, it's so hostile to Jesus and the gospel. And we might be tempted to think, it's, not just, not, it's just not worth speaking to my friend. They're just so kind of anti and they're never, they're never going to listen to me. And, oh, you know, there are these like bankers and people and they're just, they, they're never going to listen. No, look, remember the power of the gospel. And remember that God's word cannot be chained. Do you think God is in heaven, you know, mumbling away to the archangels, all the angels beside him, and go, oh no, look at old secular Britain. Oh dear, I think better keep away from there. A hundred years ago, people thought that communism would stop the gospel. Stalin, roughly 100 years ago, had led Russia banned Christians from meeting. He ordered that church buildings be burnt to the ground. He took away Bibles in the hundreds of thousands. He sent many church leaders and Christians off to what were called the gulags, prison camps, to work in the most awful of conditions. Did that stop the gospel? Ask Sergei. And ask his dad, who's preaching the gospel in Moscow right now. God's word's not chained. Timothy needed to be reminded of the power of the gospel. Things were tough. He felt weak. The church was vulnerable. And Paul is saying, Timothy, however weak you feel, however weak the church looks and feels, it doesn't matter because God's word is not chained. I think we need to be reminded of this too, don't we? It's easy to give up, isn't it? It's easy to compromise. It's easy to be quiet about Jesus. It's easy to feel that no one will listen. That there's no point speaking about Jesus with our friends and our colleagues and our neighbours. Look, friends, remember the power of the gospel. God's word is not chained. And that is why Paul in verse 10, look at down if you, if you look at that. He says, we must endure. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. We do not know who God has elected for salvation, but Paul knows that the way that they can obtain salvation comes through the proclamation of the gospel and therefore endure. Speak the good news of Jesus and let let God in his power do his work. It is a matter of eternal glory. So first point, remember the gospel. Second point, remember the power of the gospel. And lastly, remember a poem. Isn't that funny? It does sound a bit odd, doesn't it? Because what we have in verse 11 to 13 is, a, is kind of a little group of sayings that Paul has put together, structured like a poem, probably in four tiny little verses, four kind of double lines there each of them having its own theme. But why does Paul, why do you think he suddenly turns to something that is poetic at this stage? Now think about what Timothy is going through. Think about how hard things are for him. Think about his nature, timid and so on. He needs something that he can draw on quickly to remember when things are tough. 
needs something to grab onto, to cling to, when things go a bit difficult within the church in Ephesus. A long time ago, I used to be involved in a, a little bit of sports psychology as a student and a little beyond. And it's been interesting to see how so many of the World Cup football teams, who's I'm excited about today, Germany and Bristol, yes, there we go. Anyway, moving on. Um, uh, you know, so many of the teams now are employing one or many sports psychologists to help the players. Football players are quite simple beings. Um, uh, often in a match they can't remember much and I remember doing some work with uh, a number of them and so you give them very few instructions but you want to make sure that what you give them is memorable and easy to recall we have a half and we're going to have the ABC of this half we're going to have the one, two, three of this half we're gonna, we're gonna, these are the things that you need to remember and I'm going to give them in the most easiest memorable way you get the picture Timothy gets a poem to drive these things into his head and his heart for when he needs them the most. Four themes, let's run through them very quickly. First line, double line if you like, is regarding his faith. Verse 11, if we died with him, we will also live with him. It's that promise again of new birth. He's picking up all the themes that he's kind of thrown out before, but if, the promise of new birth, new life if we trust in the powerful gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul has called Timothy to remember this already. If we die to our old way of living, our old selves, trusting ourselves, and begin to put our faith in Jesus, new eternal life with Jesus is ours. This is our faith. We've put our faith in Jesus, and therefore we will live with him. If we die with him, we'll also live with him. Second theme is that of regarding perseverance. If we endure, we will also reign with him. It's following on from verse 10. If you look back there, endurance is an enduring theme, if you excuse the pun. But have you noticed that the reward for endurance goes way beyond what you might expect? You see, if we endure as a Christian, if we continue to trust Jesus day by day by day, however difficult our circumstances, you've seen what we get. We don't just get to be with Jesus, we get to reign with Jesus. You notice that? It's a totally what we call a disproportionate reward. This is something Jesus himself taught. Um, you might remember the parable of the ten miners back in chapter uh, Luke uh, 19. There, there, basically, some servants are given 10 miners. Now, 10 miners was equivalent of just over two years' wages for the average person. And they were instructed to put that money to work. And off they went, and uh, they came back. And, and the one who earned 10 more miners, that's another two and a bit years' wages, well, look what Jesus says. I tell you that to everyone who has, more will be given. There's a disproportionate reward And we see that here. If you endure, if you hold the line for Jesus, if you keep on trusting him day by day by day, you'll reign with him. You don't just be with him, you'll reign with him. Third uh, theme there is regarding your disowning. If we disown him, he will also disown us. What if Timothy, 
What if the church in Ephesus, what if we turn our backs on God? What if we totally just disown God, utterly, utterly reject him in our hearts and our minds? It's clear, isn't it? He will disown us. And again, Paul is saying nothing here that Jesus has not said himself. Matthew 10, for example, verse 32. uh, Whoever acknowledges me before others, Jesus is saying this. I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. Timothy and the church in Ephesus, and maybe you and I, need warning. Lovingly warning, being warned. Look down a few verses and next week we'll meet two characters, Hymenaeus and Philetus, who do just this. They depart from the truth. They disown God. Be warned. Be warned. The fourth point is regarding faithlessness. And it's slightly different, isn't it? There's a bit of a twist at the end of this poem. We expect it to mirror what has been said before. If we are faithless, though, he remains faithful. For he cannot disown himself. In some ways you expect the opposite. Because that's the way that each of the other couplets or double lines have kind of worked. But God cannot act against his own character. We all have our days when, we are, when our faith is, in Christ is weak. Paul did. Peter certainly did, didn't he? Because Peter was the one who disowned Jesus. Timothy, like all of us, do you have hard days? Days when you just struggle to trust Christ in an area of your life? We all have those days of faithlessness. But despite our lack of faith, God is faithful. And that is good news, isn't it, for us? Four simple lines of poetry each to drive into the mind and the heart of Timothy, to remember his faith in Jesus Christ, to remember to endure and to persevere, to trust Christ, however hard it gets, to remember to stick with the truth of the gospel, not to depart from it, and fourthly, to remember that despite our weakness, despite our lack of faith sometimes, God is faithful. God is faithful. We so easily forget things, don't we? But if we're to keep going, being strong, holding the line, enduring for the sake of making the, go- the gospel of Jesus Christ known, remember. Remember the gospel and keep on remembering the gospel. Remember the power of the gospel. God's word cannot be chained. And remember a poem. Remember your life-giving faith in Christ. Remember the disproportionate reward if you endure. Remember to not depart from the truth. Remember that despite your lack of faith, God is faithful. Remember. Let's pray we do. Lord God and Heavenly Father, we thank you very much. Uh, for this very personal, very kind and loving letter to, to Timothy and the church in Ephesus. Help us to, in our struggles and in our lives here, 
all these years since this time to remember these same things, to remember the gospel, to remember the power of the gospel as we dare to speak the good news of Jesus to our friends. Amen.